Guys, I want to start off by wishing you a happy new year again. And today, I'm excited to bring this message that I've been preparing for called the power of perception. So what I want you to do to start the service off is turn to the person sitting right next to you, look him in the eyes and say, pay attention, he's talking to you. I want to jump right into this today. It's, it's going to be out of a text we find in Mark chapter 6. And in Mark 6 it says, starting in verse 1, Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did he get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that he has been given, that's been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? And then verse 3. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't that Mary's son? The brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense to him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his own relatives, in his own home. And, and get this, verse 5. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick, sick people and heal them, he was amazed at their lack of faith. Again, verse 5, it says, He could not do any miracles there, except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. So here in Mark chapter 6, we have a group of people who, because of their perception of Jesus, missed an opportunity to be blessed. They missed their opportunity at healing. They missed their opportunity at miracles because they perceived him the wrong way. I want to start this year off spending a little bit of time today looking at the way that you and I process things. The way that you and I perceive things. The way that we think about things. The way that we act on things. We've titled this today, The Power of Perception. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I recognize right now that without you, this is just a waste of time. So Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place, and I pray that I would get out of the way. And what you want to speak to each and every one of us in this room, I pray that you would pour into our hearts. God, don't let me get in the way, but use me as a vessel right now. And I pray that today we would be changed, that 2016 would be different for us today, God. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray this. Amen. The power of perception. Guys, perception it's everything. Every one of us have gone to work with a complaining person. You know, how many of you know someone at work, they're complaining all the time, right? I hope you're not that person, but we all know that person, right? They, they, one person comes into the office and they're like, man, you just can't get ahead here. They don't pay enough here. They, all, all they ever want from me is work, 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 work. They just put in more hours and more hours. They never turn the heat up enough, so I'm cold all day long in the office. And one person's come in the office murmuring and complaining and perceiving their job so negatively. Well, in the same office place, another person comes in and they say, God, thank you for this job. Thank you for this income. I'm so glad to be able to have uh, insurance for my family. And thank you so much. I know there's people out there that don't have a job. Thank you, God. Same situation. Two people parking in the same parking lot, walking through the same front door. And the difference about their job is the way that they perceive their job. One person sees singleness as a curse. Coming into their house going, 
I gotta do everything by myself. I gotta pay the bills by myself. I gotta be the man and the woman. I gotta take out the trash. I gotta go get all the groceries. I've gotta do everything. Another person sees it as a blessing. They come home and they say, Thank God there is peace in this house. I can go where I want to go when I want to go. I I don't have to cook if I want to. I don't have to pick up my clothes if I don't want to. Thank you, God, for the gift of being alone. What is that? The same situation, two people perceiving it differently. And because of two people perceiving the same situation differently, their experience with that situation is different. And what this text is teaching us is the danger of a flawed perception. It shows us a group of people who their perception of Jesus is so flawed that that they missed out on things. There's a danger that comes with that. It says that Jesus left there and went to his hometown. And guys, this is shocking. Because Jesus, the people in Jesus' hometown, they knew him and they knew how great he was. In fact, it was just 18 years earlier, Jesus was 12 years old. Many of you know the story when Jesus got left at the synagogue and and he was there and he was teaching in the synagogue and people were amazed. They were going, how in the world does this kid have all of this wisdom? How does he have this insight? It's not possible for a 12-year-old to know everything that he knows and to be this wise. There's, There's no way. So people in his hometown already had an experience with him where they recognized that Jesus was a was a man who had incredible, remarkable wisdom. And yet we find 18 years later, Jesus comes into the same town, the same synagogue, the same people. And as he begins to minister there and and teach there, and he's expressing to them, uh, instead of people being excited about what Jesus is saying, all of a sudden they start asking, wait a minute, wait a minute, where did he get these things? Like, where is he coming up with this stuff? Did, did he leave for a while, and, and then when he left, he must have learned something. He's coming back here acting like he's all special. He knows more than we do, and, and we're supposed to listen to him now? I mean, isn't that just Jesus? We know Jesus, right? And see, the, the problem was is they remembered where they met Jesus. And because they first met Jesus, as, well, he's that carpenter's son. You know, Mary and Joseph's boy, that Joseph's a carpenter, so if, if his daddy's a carpenter, then certainly he must be a carpenter as well. And see, they had a limited uh, view of him and perception of him based on the realm of how they met him. And I wonder how many times we've dealt with that in our own lives. You ever run into people and they have a limited view of who you are and what you could be because they remember you from back when? Well, and they think, you know, I can't perceive that you could be anything more because you come from this type of family, so certainly that's going to be the type of family you are. You come from this political background, so certainly that's the political background you have. You come from that education, so certainly that's what you're going to be. And people try to put you in a box, and this can be frustrating. I can tell you, it's something I've dealt with a lot. My family moved here the, the month that I turned eight years old. So the majority of my life growing up has been spent here in Grand Junction. What that means is there's a lot of people here in Grand Junction that knew me back then. You know, And it's funny because I'll run into people and they remember me from where, where they met me. And they try to keep me in the box of where they met me. And I I went through some rough times in my past. I made some bad decisions in my past. And there's people who remember me from the days I had like long flowing hair down to the middle of my back, right? 
and it was green because I was a skater, and I had the side of my head shaved, and I mean, I was attractive, I'm telling you, like, beat the girls off with the stick, that type of guy, you know? And there's people I run into, and in fact, just a couple years back, I ran into this old friend of mine, and I hadn't seen him for years, and he goes, oh my gosh, Dan Hooper, right? Dan Hooper, and, and oh, yeah, I haven't seen you in so long. He's like, man, what have you been up to? And I said, man, I pastor down at Fellowship Church now. He goes, yeah, right. I'm like, come on, right? But the problem was, as, as I was rising above and coming out of old ways, old wineskins, old ways of thinking, old ways of living life. As I come up, it makes other people uncomfortable because, wait a minute, that's not how I know you. That's not how I associate with you. And that is exactly why we can never let our associates identify us because they try to identify us uh, from the point of where they met us, not where we're going, not the potential that God's poured into our lives, not the dreams that he's spoken to you, but I remember you when you made those mistakes. And I remember you when you worked at that place and you had that occupation, and you were married to that person, so that's got to be the reality of your life. And, and we see that this was something that, that is surprising because Jesus was astounded by, uh, by the fact that they, they were shocked at the fact that, that he had become more wise, that he was doing miracles, that, that he was learning so much more. And I wonder, in 2016, are you willing to think outside of the box? Are you willing to get outside of the realm where people want to keep you? And I remember you were here then because if you want 2016 to be different than 2015, then you have to think ahead. What does that mean? A lot of us have heard that, you know what, you have to dress for success. You have to dress for where you want to be. If you want to be a businessman, then dress like a businessman because that will make people perceive you as a businessman. You've got to dress for where you're going. We've heard that before. But the, the same is true when it comes to the inside of our lives, too, not just the outside. You have to take your thinking to where you're going, not to where you've been, but where you're going. You have to take your learning to where you're going. You've you got to be learning things in 2016, not for where you are right now, but for where you believe God wants you to be. And if you believe God is going to call you into management in your workplace, you need to start reading books right now on management. If you believe God is going to call you into a married relationship, you've got to start reading right now on how to be married and how to have kids and be a good parent. These are things that you've got to start thinking ahead for and be ready for these things. Because I wonder how many times we let people keep us in a box and I think, well, this is just where I am right now. I'm in this job position and I don't need to stretch myself up there. So, so I wonder when the opportunities come, is God waiting to see, well, I can't give you that opportunity because what are you going to do with it if I give it to you? I wonder, do we pray for things and God's just like, what would you do with this if I gave it to you? Like We pray, God, give me more money and God's going... You still haven't learned to manage the money I've given you this far. How am I supposed to give you more? You're just going to lose more than you're losing right now. you got to learn. So we got to think, you know what, if I do want to be successful in these different areas of my life, i got to think ahead. I can't let people put me in a box. So I want to be, be successful financially this year. So I'm going to start taking classes on it. I'm going I'm to sign up for Dave Ramsey. I'm going to learn how to manage what God's given me. I want to be married someday, so I'm going to start reading books on marriage because I want to be ready for it. See, I, I wonder, if you think about, if, if any of you are parents and you've had like 
times where you've taken your kid that's like two or three years old to the store. They're wonderful company, right? They're there with you, but, but really what you do spending all your time is, is you say, oh man, don't touch that. Put your hands in your pocket. No, put that down. Don't break that. Oh, gosh. Okay, come, come over here with me. And they can't push anything for you. They can't carry anything for you. They're not really a help at all. all but the, what they are is good company. And I wonder, when it comes to your walk with God, have you been good company to God? Maybe in a time where you should be mature and you should be ready to move forward and available and in a soft wineskin ready for God. Give me more that I can carry it for you and I can do more for you. And we're just going, well, I'm just good company. I'm just, I'm hanging out with God and hopefully I don't get in any trouble. I wonder, are you, are you stuck in a box? God wants you to think outside the box. And see, Jesus was unwilling to let people put him in a box. And, and, and we see this because we see that these, this group of men, they were, they were offended by Jesus and his teachings. They asked the first thing. They said, where did this man get these things? So they're talking about knowledge. Knowledge can be learned. It can be acquired. But the second thing they say can't be learned. He said, what's this wisdom that he has been given? See, wisdom is different than knowledge. Wisdom and knowledge are different. You know, I've met a lot of very smart people, people who have a lot of knowledge, a lot of facts, a lot of degrees on the wall that aren't very wise at all. See, wisdom and knowledge are different. Knowledge can teach you how to load a gun. Wisdom teaches you when to use it. See, wisdom is the ability to have the insight to know what to do with your knowledge. Because, see, God's given us knowledge, and we can acquire knowledge, but do you know what to do with what God has given you? See, it's kind of a difficult thing to start this year off, and I think that this statement might be something that upsets some people in this room. So here I go, just upsetting you the first week of 2016. But do you know what to do with what God has given you? Because here's the truth. There's someone who can take your situation and do more with it than what you're doing. There's someone who could take your marriage, and because of their perception of your marriage, they could bring intimacy back into your marriage where you haven't had intimacy in a long time. There's someone who could take your business and your finances and where you've been running in the red for years could turn it into a profitable business, and it's all about perception. Do you know what to do with what God has given you. It's wisdom. It's something that we've got to ask for. See, I, I see it all the time. I go to lunch with people. I do coffee uh, meetings and appointments with people all the time that are my age that are just busy. I mean, busy, busy, busy. Like, we are a, a generation of people who are busy walking around. I don't got one phone in my pocket. I got two phones in my pocket. They're on the phone here calling this person. They're texting this person on the other hand. Wait just a minute. I got to take this other call. And they're working 14 hours a day, just stressed out, moving, 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 just going all day long. And I wonder, have you been working busy or have you been working smart? Because if you know what to do with what God has given you, you can take the business, you can take your job, you can take your family and your relationships, and, and it doesn't have to be stressful, it doesn't have to be so busy, it doesn't have to be so hard. In fact, Jesus said, you've been toiling all night. In fact, he cursed a fig tree because the fig tree didn't produce any fruit. 
He said, how is it you could be taking up all this sun, all this water, and yet you're producing absolutely no fruit? And he cursed the fig tree. He's saying, if you're working that hard, if you're taking that much and, and you're not succeeding, then there's something wrong. If you're working 14 hours a day and you're not moving forward, then there's something wrong. And you have to figure out what's wrong so that you can go back and fix it. There's something wrong. Because listen, you should win. I go into this year in 2016 fully believing and knowing as a child of God, I should win. If I'm going to put my hand to something, I should win. If I, if I invest in something, it should have return on it. And my marriage should become stronger and more faithful and more loving and more intimate. And my relationship with my kids, I should become a better father. If I touch it, if I get in the fight, I should win. And I believe for every person in here who has a relationship with Jesus Christ, that is the truth for you too. You should win at everything you touch. So if you look at your life and you're like, I'm trying so hard. I'm putting in all these hours. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And you're not getting any return for it. There's something wrong there. And I wonder if what's wrong with your life and what can be wrong with mine so many times as well is our perception. Maybe we're seeing our situation the wrong way. Maybe, maybe we're missing it. We're missing it. See, when you rise above where people think you are, they have a, a hard time adjusting to it. And Jesus had knowledge, he had wisdom. The group of people that were there in the synagogue had even heard about the miracles he was performing. In verse 2 it says, what are these remarkable miracles he's performing? So D Jesus did works, he had the results, he was a miracle worker. His potential was limitless everywhere except for right with this group of people. Bible says because he's coming to his own country, his own hometown. See, when they saw his wisdom and his knowledge, his works, instead of celebrating because of their perception, they were offended by him. How are you going to be offended with someone who, who all they're doing is good? Like, Jesus is wise. He's teaching them well. He, he's providing miracles for them. He, all he's doing is good for them. Like, think about this. Jesus got to be going, listen, I... I'm making your life better. I'm teaching you things. I'm opening your eyes to things. I, I'm healing people. I'm casting demons out of people. I'm raising the dead. How are you going to be offended with me? How are you going to be offended with me? I'll tell you why we get offended at people when they move forward. I'll tell you why this group got offended at Jesus is because they thought they knew him. They thought they had him in a box of, of knew exactly what Jesus could and couldn't do. So this is a group of people. They weren't evil people. They were just limited people. And you don't have to be evil to have a limited perception, but, but they had a limited perception of Jesus. And this is what it looked like. They're going, oh, what is this? There's a man teaching in the temple. They come in there, this is, or the, the synagogue, they come in there. They're excited. This is good stuff. Wait, wait a minute. Isn't that Jesus? Yeah, that's just Jesus. You remember Mary's boy. He was running around with your son. Yeah, yeah I remember Jesus. He, that, that's just Jesus. Yeah, in fact, his dad was a carpenter. I think last, last summer, was it? No, it was two summers ago. He put the roof on your house, right? That, that's, yeah, that's Jesus. You remember Jesus? Yeah, that's he, all he did. He grew up and grew a beard. That's all he did. Like, he went away and learned some stuff. We're just supposed to follow him. Have a church. What? No one's going to a Jesus church. That's just Jesus. You know Jesus. I know Jesus. They just had a limited perception of who he was. 
And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town among his relatives in his own home. The most shocking place to be without honor is to be in a place where you are amongst the people that you are most connected. Guys, hear this. How can you be without honor with those to whom you are most connected? That is the question that Jesus would ask you today. How can you be without honor with those to whom you are the most connected? Isn't it shocking and isn't it amazing that the only two times that Jesus praised someone for their faith, they were outside of the church? They weren't church people. They weren't people that Jesus was most connected to. These are people outside of the church. There was the Roman centurion that, that the Bible says, and Jesus said, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. There was a Canaanite woman we found in Matthew chapter 15 that her daughter had a demon, right? And this woman was a woman outside of covenant with God, did not have a relationship with God. So, so God's saying, you, uh, Jesus saying, you have no business even asking for a miracle because you're not in covenant with me. You have no relationship with me. So he called her a dog. So you, you're, you're, you're not a child of God, you're a dog. You, you're out of covenant with me. You worship other things. You worship idols. You have no covenant with me at all. And, and when he calls her a dog, she doesn't get offended. Catch this. She doesn't get offended. You're a dog. And she's like, yeah, you're right, Lord. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bed and to toss it to the dogs. This is uh, Matthew chapter 15. Yes, it is, Lord, she said, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. So she called him master. She came into covenant with Jesus. Her perception of Jesus went from being a teacher to the son of God to her salvation, her miracle worker. And when that happened, um, she wasn't offended at any names that called, she just got right in line with God and got blessed. Isn't it interesting that we now, 2,000 years later, read this, and there's people that will read this story and get offended and go, I can't believe he called her a dog. Can you believe that? Here we are in the church, thousands of years later, getting offended uh, about what Jesus talked to someone that he helped and that he healed. Why are we so easily offended? Anytime that you are given opportunities and you don't take those opportunities, it's really easy to get offended. So you got a group of people around Jesus that they're not, they're not getting healed, they're not moving forward, they're not trusting him, they don't have the faith, so there's all these offenses. Can you believe that? And we come into church today and there's people who, who are missing out on opportunities, so since they're missing out, getting offended at everything. Man, I don't like going in there. The music's too loud. It's too dark in that room. Can you believe it? And I don't want to go in there today. You know, it's the holiday weekend. It's probably going to be crowded, offended at everything. All they talk about is money in there. And it's like every time God gives an opportunity and a person refuses to take the opportunity, other people get blessed. Oh, now I'm offended. Now I'm offended. And see, Jesus is praising, going, listen. Listen, there's people outside of the church that recognize the miracles that I can do, the way that I can make a way for you in your life. I can give you hope. I can move you forward. I can do so much in your life. Don't miss out on this. And yet in his own hometown, amongst his own people, they were missing out on it. So I wonder how often we just 
make the worst assumptions. We perceive the worst in different, oppor- in different opportunities that we're given and we miss out on it. And because of lazy thinking, we get in an argument with someone and, and instead of giving them the benefit of the doubt and perceiving things from their point of view, we, we just take offense and we fight over it. And we lose the best friend we ever had. We lose the best employee we ever had. We lose relationships simply because we were unwilling to see things with the right perception. Because see, God gave them, Jesus gave them the greatest gift that God could give any of us, and that's, that's an opportunity. An opportunity to be blessed, an opportunity to have vision, an opportunity to move forward. He, he gave this to them, but because of their perception, they missed out on it. Let me show you how powerful perception is. In the Garden of Eden, when, when Satan tempted Eve, to eat of the wrong tree. When he tempted her, he didn't use one demon. He didn't use a spell. He didn't use magic. He didn't use sorcery. He didn't do anything like that. He messed with her perception. Because God said, don't eat of this, you'll surely die. So she perceived, God is protecting me. He's given me everything, but he's protecting me from something that will hurt me. And then Satan came along and said, oh, God said that, but that's not what he meant. He, he, you surely won't die. That's not what he means. He knows that if you eat of that, you're going to be just like him. So actually, he's giving you all this other stuff, but he's keeping you from the really good stuff. So what did Satan do? He fooled with her perception. So now instead of perceiving that God is protecting me, she's going, God's holding out on me. Like, there's something over there I really want, and he said I can't have it, so I want to go get that. And, and she's thinking about it, and, and she wrestles with it, and finally she gives in to the temptation. And humanity fell, and fell into disobedience, and fell away from God simply because of a flawed perception. And she acted on that flawed perception. So what did Satan do? He fooled with the perception of her situation. Now, guys... If you, if you don't catch anything else this morning, catch this. What does Satan do to you? He fools with your perception of your situation. He tries to tell you, oh no, other people have better marriages than this. Other people, like their wives don't treat them the way that your wife treats you. And you're too old for this and you shouldn't have to deal with this anymore. And you should be retired by now. And he tries to tell us that that the way we're seeing things is wrong. And he tries to get you to flaw your perception so that we could be over here listening to the enemy and missing out on the blessing that God is just holding out to us. Because God say, no, no, you're seeing it wrong. You're seeing it different. I'm in charge of everything. I'm in control of everything. I love you, and I'm trying to help you. And God speaks to our perception. To see this in exact contrast, there was a lame woman, a crippled woman, we see in Luke chapter 13. And, and this woman, she had been crippled for 18 years. And the Bible says when Jesus saw her, uh, he called this woman to him. And so, so here she is, this woman, she's hunched over. She's crippled over for 18 years. This is the reality of her life. She perceives that I'm sick, uh, I'm hurting, uh, I can't do what other people can do. And and she's in a very negative place in her life, and she perceived it as a negative place. But when Jesus saw her, the Bible says, Luke 13, 12. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. He, He says, you are. Present tense, 
right now, you are set free from your eternity, uh, your infirmity. He didn't say that I am going to heal you. I am going to set you free. You're going to straighten up. You're going to get better. He says the way you're perceiving your situation right now is being crippled is wrong. And I'm going to tell you how to perceive it. You need to perceive it that you are. You are free. You are healed. You are changed. You are set free. And when her perception changed, her circumstances changed. And that's when the miracle came. That's when the miracle came that she went, wait a minute, this is the Son of God. And if he said, I'm free, then I'm free. If he said, I'm blessed, then I'm blessed. If he said, I'm healed, then I'm going to be healed. Would you stand with me? In this 2016, I got to ask you, have you been perceiving things the way God is telling you to perceive them? Have you been looking at your marriage the way God has been telling you to look at your marriage? Is there someone else that could come in and they could bring some excitement in, some, some, some intimacy back in, and they could take your role and do it better because their perception is, thank God I'm married. Thank God I have a family. Thank God I have a job. Instead of just, oh, here we are again, same old fight, same old thing. God wants to change your perception this year. It's a new wine and a new wineskin year. It's a year where instead of us going, I, I want to see a new miracle and I just hope it'll happen. We say, you know what? I'm going to start doing life the way God says to. I'm going to start, I'm going to start getting ready for what he wants me to do. I'm, I'm going to have my finances ready so they can be blessed. I'm, I'm going to learn how to be a parent so when I have kids, I can be a parent. I'm going to learn these things. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to start showing up at church on time and worshiping God and putting him first. Why? Because he says to. And when we do these types of things and our perception of life changes, then we don't, we don't act like the group of people that, that, oh, that's just Jesus. That's just Jesus. But we say, that is my Savior. That's the Son of God, and He's making a way for me, and He's, he's, he's breaking down walls, and He's provided for me, and He's healing my kids. That's my Savior. So I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes, because I believe on this first Sunday, of 2016, there might be some of you in here that your perception of Jesus has not been that he's been your God and your Savior. That maybe Jesus to you has just been, yeah, he's, he's an interesting teacher. He, he, he's someone that like you could go to church and learn about and hear what he has to say. He did some good stuff. That's just Jesus. Well, maybe today you feel the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart. Right now you feel like this uncomfortable thing on the inside. That's the Holy Spirit going, you know what? This is you. I'm talking to you. You have an opportunity right now. God has given you an opportunity in this moment. If today you need to, to change your perception of Jesus and focus on him as the son of God and as the Lord and savior of your life, then with no one looking around, I wanna ask you to be very bold right now so I can see your hands and put your hands up in the air so I can pray with you. Thank you for your honesty. There's a lot of us in this room with our hands up right now. Our perception of Jesus has been wrong. We haven't seen him as savior and Lord. We've seen him as just another teacher, just, just something else. So for every one of you that just raised your hand, I want to ask everyone in this room to pray this prayer with me. We are going to 
pray and ask God to forgive us of our sins and we are going to make Jesus the Lord of our life, starting this year off differently because he is the Lord of our life. So would you pray this with me, everyone out loud. Dear Jesus, I need forgiveness. I believe you are the Son of God and I believe you are a Savior and I need forgiveness and I need a Savior. So please come into my life. Forgive me of my sins and save me. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Yeah, let's give God a praise for that. For those of you that just did that for the very first time, just as a confession of this, would you put your hand up in the air so we can celebrate with you? Yeah, thank you, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for the rest of us in this room, I want to pray one more prayer before we dismiss. If you've been perceiving your situation incorrectly, this year is the year to get right in line with the way that God perceives it. God perceives your life as a life he can do miracles in. He can pour new wine in because you're ready to expand and be blessed. So let me pray for you. God, we thank you so much that you don't want us to go through life blind. You don't want us to go through life just, just missing it because we're perceiving things wrong. So God, we want to look at life the way that you look at life. And God, we want to have faith we want to be the type of people that you can pour miracles and blessings into. And we, God, want you to help us. Help us in our circumstances and our situations. Help us to perceive our families as a blessing. Our jobs as a blessing. My spouse as a blessing. My kids as a blessing. God, thank you so much. And I pray that today as we leave this place, this would be the catalyst that would change the rest of our lives because, God, we don't want this year to look like every year in the past. We want this year to be a year where you use us as a new, clean, fresh vessel and you pour out your blessing and your favor and your anointing and your power on us. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's give him a shout of praise before we go today. He's good. He's good.